you don't even have a warrant. We'll overlook this little Get down on the ground and put your hands behind your back. I'm just for marketing. No! Okay, yep, 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 yep. Alex, we need to work together here. Because I'm the only one with the technology to keep you alive. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome back to Hero Talk. I'm your host, Judge Greg. Joining me today, I have Nick. Nick, how's it going? Well enough, I suppose, given the movie we just watched. Yeah, I know. All right, so today's movie is RoboCop. And don't get too excited, folks. We're not talking about, you know, 1980s RoboCop. We're talking about 2014 RoboCop. And I, I don't know. Nick, how do you have a movie where Batman and Commissioner Gordon get together and build RoboCop? You have... N- Nick Fury cheering them on <laughs> and it's somehow just not fun. I just don't I don't understand what I, what happened. I think really about when I when I was watching this about 15 minutes into it, I asked myself exactly how many rewrites has this gone through? And I, I, I tried to look it up and I don't think it got rewritten. That's, I don't think this was one of those things that had that problem because it could, like there's only right one screenwriter yeah, uh, on on record. Yeah, I, I saw something where someone uh, might have done a finishing pass. I don't even remember the name, but it doesn't really matter. It's not something where you see six different screenwriting credits, which is what it feels like because right away you see so much different stuff brought up, and it like by by the 15 minute mark, you know they're just going to drop a whole bunch of it. Yeah, I mean it's. I, I kind of get where they were trying to go for at the beginning, you know, when you got Samuel L. O'Reilly up there talking about, yeah. you know, why are we so robophobic? Something like Whoever that. Whoever wrote that line needs to never write another line for a movie again. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very hard for me to watch this and not compare it to the 1980s film. And well, like, I haven't seen the 80s film enough times that I've memorized everything. I don't think it's too much to ask for some point in this movie... Robocop to stab somebody in the neck with a giant USB spike that comes out of his glove. <laughs> I, I don't think that's too much to ask. It did, uh, <laughs> this this movie after watching the whole thing, it because there's so much weird stuff brought up and dropped and themes that get mentioned but not really explored. It feels a lot like when a five year old's telling a story. And then they say, like, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and there's not a whole lot that ties it together. Yeah. And then that's the really end. what it feels like. Yeah, it was. It, it's a lot like that. And I, I, uh, I had such high hopes. I was really hoping. I, uh, but I guess, I guess I was wrong. And so, un- unfortunately, now here we are. I realized about halfway through this that I should have said, "Hey, let's let's watch the original RoboCop." <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was so sad. Um, yes. All right, so at least at least that would have had Peter Weller in it. Yeah, man, Peter Weller's good. Yep, he's he's so much better, man. I want when Joel Kinnaman, and this is the end of the movie, uh, so it's probably a good time as any to say that uh, this is a spoiler podcast, by the way, and we will spoil anything that we want about this movie, anything, any movie, any story, any production note that has been officially released is considered on the table in fair game. So you've been warned. Yeah, because we can get off onto crazy tangents. We can, and we have like, uh, like uh, talking about your opinions of microbrewery. That's true. That's true. I still say that's the only way that they had beer in the underground. It's the only possible explanation. So, so you got Joel Kinnaman, who's who's playing uh, Murphy, a RoboCop. I've always kind of called him Murphy. I don't yeah, know. Like, well, is, is that just me? Like, I always call him Murphy, even when like I'm watching the '80s movie and I talk about the character. I don't say RoboCop did this. I say Murphy did. I, I'm, 
I mean, if you if you like the movie, that that's kind of the point of the movie. RoboCop is the him in the original one after he it, it basically lost his personality and he became the robot, and right. he was Murphy after he regained his humanity. Mm-hmm. Which was RoboCop a really nice was, arc for the character. Yeah, wouldn't and, that and have RoboCop been nice to have an arc like, like that? It, they tried to invert it in this one because they had a more gradual, like, stripping away of his humanity. Yeah. At first they replace his body, and then they give the computer more control over him, and then they strip away his emotions, and then all of a sudden everything's back again or something. They don't really explain what the hell was going on there. Because his soul. Yeah, yeah, because, that, you that's, know, that's the like Gary Oldman said at the beginning, emotions can changes the chemistry in the brain and clouds the system mm-hmm. something yeah it's one of those lines that you knew was just basically like saying hey check off check out that gun yeah it's uh there's so many the thing is there's so many hooks like that so early you're like they could do stuff with these things mm-hmm. and I, they're, they're not going to yeah this whole drone thing and the whole now i mean you got to set up this post the whole tehran scene yeah, like you're trying to set you you you're spending so much time setting this world where you know like look how much peace we've given to these people and obviously like, they're not that much peace it's basically police state and you know all these people get killed and and but that's it that's that's the end of you looking at it well, and then like the, all the right weird, the weird thing that first scene in Tehran mm-hmm. they're trying to you know they bring up the Ed two hundred nine and so on and so forth yeah and. You know, there's a whole lot of, like, whitewashing and putting a happy face on these kind of overt patrols. Yeah. But they, (laughs) if you look at it from a certain way, those patrols were working in the sense of, you know, they were scanning for uh, uh, weapons and, and dangerous people. And they weren't, it wasn't like in the original World Cup where the Ed 209 just didn't work. <laughs> um, I was really hoping one of them was not going to work. Like that's, I was, I was kind of w- hoping for the callback, but I didn't, I didn't get very many callbacks. Glitch! Yeah. <laughs> or whatever he said. Yeah. Um, no, I, it, it looks like the, I, the, the worst thing was just that the, the people there reasonably were pissed at having to uh, subject themselves to this. Yeah. But apparently, this kind of procedure was done everywhere in the world. Except in America. Except in America. Land of the free, my friend. Right. So did literally every other country allows this? And on top of that, this is supposed to be like a kind of heavy-handed metaphor for drone warfare. Mm-hmm. But first of all, drone warfare isn't it's unmanned. It's not like uncontrolled by people. There's <laughs> yeah. it's remote control. And on top of that, what was the big problem here? Okay, there was this sort of suicide attack of people who didn't, they overtly didn't want to hurt anybody. They just wanted to die on TV to embarrass people. And then the kid ran out with a knife and the Ed 209 shot him for having a knife. Now, the problem is this makes everybody involved stupid because you think that, what was it, the Ed 209s and the EM-208s? Uh, man, you are asking the wrong guy. I bring dump that stuff. They, they had the big ones that were the Ed 209s and the yeah. small ones that were like little chappy robot things. Right. Um, they, they established later that they have stun guns available. Why didn't they have stun guns of, uh, <laughs> to use against non-hardened targets? Like, hey, there's a kid with a knife. Call in the flying drone with the yeah, bomb. Set up the miniguns, you know? Like, okay, easy yeah. there, chief. 
but of course, you then leave Tehran and the international incident and the, the sort of geopolitics of it are never brought up again, mm-hmm. which kind of leaves you with the impression that it actually works. And these were just dissatisfied people or something. Yeah, I don't know. It was... I, I get what they were trying to say, but again, yeah, you said heavy-handed, and I think heavy-handed might be putting it a little lightly. I mean, they were they were trying it's to speak a, a political it, message. Now, I get like the first RoboCop had a pretty trope speak. It's called anvilicious. Yeah, it's uh the first RoboCop had a lot of like very heavy-handedness against you know the corporations because it was a, a slightly different world they placed us in a I would say post-apocalyptic, but this wasn't really an apocalypse. It was just a degeneration of Detroit. Yeah. Um. So they put us in kind of a different Detroit. Uh, so in this case, it wasn't like the uh, the Omnicore. They weren't like in Detroit owning the Detroit PD when they took over Alex Murphy. They were just looking for anybody who fit a certain profile they needed. And I guess Murphy did. Murphy gets blown up, of course, in a car bomb by... Uh, I, I don't understand. Like, I get that he was getting close to this guy, but like... You have this the crime boss, right? Antoine Vallon yeah. played by... Oh, who played him? Did a horrible job. I apologize if his mother's listening, but... um. He was a person who was there and played a part yeah, Patrick that Garo. ostensibly had something to do with the plot of this movie. Yeah, I'm looking over this guy's IMDb, uh, and I'm I'm not seeing anything that jumps out at me, to be honest with you. I don't think I've seen anything that he's been in. Well, his, his role compared to the, the 80s RoboCop was basically, what was his name, Boddicker? Yeah, yeah, but the, he wasn't the dad in from it. that 70s show who was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's just slimy in that movie and unpleasant, yeah. and 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 you you got to dislike him. And Valen, like he's a gun runner apparently, and is he wasn't even willing to kill police. He had to be talked into it by the crooked cops. I know. Holy cow, man! This so. Movie... So like, and, and you never you never see crime. You you never really see much in the way of crime in this movie. The only crime you witness is the car bomb and all of the footage that Murphy has in his head that they decide to upload right before a public appearance. Like what that was sense stupid. did that make? Holy cow! Like, that, that's hey. like the stupidest thing in the movie. <laughs> well, listen, I I understand. I have uh, I have never tried to present a uh, a cybernetic half robot half human police officer to the public before. So I can't speak from personal experience, Nick, but I would say if I was going to do any kind of public presentation, large uploads of information right before I send them out, probably a bad call. Yeah, no. You do something like that, you do a dry run first, and then you do another dry run first. Yeah. And you do so I mean, when you this... don't have to be somewhere in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. You, you, if you're going to have that upload, you do it like a week before, yeah. and then you make sure he's okay. And then, like, if something goes wrong, you can reschedule you had, something. They had months with this guy to check yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah, and so, so for those who don't know, yeah, they upload all of the crime statistics and all of the magic CCT, uh, CCTV footage they have in the city from years and years of this stuff. And this includes records of his own murder. And when they get up to his own murder, he starts kind of freaking out because he just watched himself die. So... Yeah, that yeah, just a really bad foresight to to not I, see that that might be a problem. Right, it's you're just looking like there's no way this corporation would never actually do that. That's the stupidest thing. Um, can we just talk real briefly about Joel Kinnaman? We're kind of glossing over the cast because most of us know who's in him, and I I figured we'll just hit them as we get them. But so he plays sure. RoboCop. Um, he is not nearly as good as Peter Weller. Nope. Um, I've okay. I'm looking through his IMDb page right now, and again, I, it's another guy where I can't see anything that he's been in that I would have seen. 
Um, the now I can see a movie he's going to be in that I'm probably going to see because he's going to be uh, Rick Flagg in Suicide Squad. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's it, and hopefully he brings a little bit more to the Rick Flagg part because holy cow, his his Murphy was. I kind of got like a a poor man's Channing Tatum vibe out of him. Hmm. I suppose I uh, for for my part I I just feel a, like he was a little bit better than the very generic leading man that you might get from a Chris Pine. Yeah, it's a little bit better than that, but he really didn't bring anything to it. Like I I guess he could emote in those scenes where he was sad. I mean, he did, he did a decent, his... like when he, when he had that freak out scene, when they took all the robot stuff away and yeah. showed you what was left. Oh God, there's nothing left. Yeah. That was okay. Yeah. That was, I mean, but that was about it. And, and as long as we're on this scene, maybe someone can explain this to me and you're the only other one here. Why, why keep the hand? It was an inverse of what was lost in the first movie where he got shot through the lungs and the head and they blew his hand off. Huh? So it's like a negative of it. That's not that. that's kind of stupid. Dumb. Yeah. Yes. I didn't pick no up point. on that, but that's not, I. But so I understand. Like, listen, I can understand logistically why, if you want this person to be ostensibly and and publicly a person, why you would want them to still have a human hand somewhere in there because one, they can still have fingerprints. Then, uh, you know, they can still do palm scanners. You know, like they can still shake people's hands at, at events and and things like that. Like, there's all kinds of good reasons why you would keep that hand if you possibly could. It's There's... funny you mentioned shaking hands because he tried to shake. He, he went to shake Maddox's hand with his uh, not. He sure did. Hand. How dumb was that? Uh, anyway, <laughs> you're, you're, you're pulling me off the point here. So I get all that. I get why he'd want the hand. And I, I had heard some talk about how it's like, well, technically they get around the drone rule if it's a human pulling the trigger. So long as it's his hand that pulls the trigger, then it's okay. Even though he shoots with both hands, nobody seems to care. Yeah. But anyway, um. I don't understand, like, all right, so he has a human hand, fine. Why can't he have a retractable little glove thing? Like, if this is a guy who's not going to even try to get out of the way of live round fire, like, would you think maybe the hand would be something you don't, the thing that's holding the gun would be something okay, you don't want Okay, here's exposed? another thing with that, if you're going to talk about fingerprints and stuff, but this is this is thinking way too deep about that. If he was in that explosion, he probably had his fingerprints burned off anyway. Well, maybe. Could could be. I I can still I can see the reasoning behind giving him a human hand. Still, I thought it would. I kind of thought it would be something like he was actually a good shot, and they wanted to keep the biological hand because yeah. it had a good. He had a good feel with the hand or something. Yeah. I mean, that might be a bit. I don't know, a childish thought, but it made about as much sense as anything. Right. You know, what would have been nice if like something that glaring was explained. Yeah. <laughs> I just I felt like I they I needed something else and now as long as we're talking about this we we need to talk about the suit so they start him in a suit that looks like the classic RoboCop suit I have I had no personal issues with it other than the aforementioned hand um, and then Batman comes out this is of course by Batman I'm referring to Michael Keaton uh, we're not going to list what he's been in because it's it's just it's a lot of stuff he's been in I'll a just lot of I'll things. just say I enjoyed watching him in the other guys yeah which by the way also had Samuel L Jackson in it mm-hmm. it sure did. Uh, I will say Michael Keaton was probably one of the more entertaining parts of this movie. Oh, I got some more to say about that later. Yeah, well, there's... he he didn't make a very believable bad guy. So by the time you get to the part where at the end where he gets shot, and I said spoilers when you he's when he's shot, you're you're thinking like I don't really know if that was a hundred percent necessary, Murphy. <laughs> it it really seems like you didn't have to kill him, especially no. again once we've established you have the stun rounds. You could have just stunned him and arrested him. You didn't have to 
you know, once you've established his gun can just stun people, anytime he decides to kill somebody, you're like, and that's murder. (laughs) And that's the worst crime. Yeah. You know, like, you're not a street judge, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You can't sit here and be like, oh, well, what he did is punishable by death, so I'm going to kill him. No. Uh, Did um, Judge Dredd have non-lethal rounds? No. Why would Judge Dredd have non-lethal rounds? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, he just he has lethal rounds. He will just put in non-lethal places. That's how Judge Dredd rolls. Fair enough. Now, you would think there'd be something in the Lawgiver, but I, I don't, I don't know if I can recall that ever happening. Uh, yeah. So they have this scene where Batman comes out, right? And he's talking about the suit, and it's almost like he's pointing in the face of the people who didn't want the suit to change. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have to tell people what they want. They don't know what they want until they see it. And you're like, no, no, screw you, Batman. I know what I want. I want my black and silver RoboCop suit. Don't change the suit. He's like more tactical and make it black. That's, that's, you know, that's another thing where I suppose they could have had a message in this movie with, uh, about the increasing militarization of the police. And part of that is the transition from like a lighter sort of blue uniform to like midnight blue and black uniforms that are more intimidating. Mm-hmm. So they change the more welcoming silver uh, robot body to a black one. I don't know. It's... I, I, I could see that being the message, but at the same time, like you, you are it, still trying to like sell the public on this guy. Right. Well, this is, this is like me grasping at straws to make <laughs> sense of things that like, here's something that you could have done with it. And I think even in, in the very last shot, when he's, when he's coming out, they switch back to the silver body. Yeah, yeah. So in at the very end of this movie, you talk about like a completely w- worthless climax. So after he shoots Batman, and then they decide to give him his new body, and then they go back to the silver body, and it's like, so you knew that's what we wanted. Why couldn't you just give me that? Why did I have to watch, you know, Mister Black Suit running around when you knew I wanted silver? Anyway, whatever. Because that whole part of the movie is when he's been compromised by the corporate interests. Oh my God! I think I just gave this movie more symbolism than the makers ever thought of. Yeah, there's there's no way they thought it through that far. No, this <sighs> uh, this ridiculousness. And then like, where what are the last shots? Is there's somebody gets a cell phone shot of him walking through the building, and you got Samuel L. Jackson playing. Who was his character? Novak. I mean, I know it was Bill O'Reilly, but who was his character called? Novak. Novak. His show is the Novak element, yeah. which is entirely not the O'Reilly factor set in freaking... Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie now. doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's it's nice to know that in 2028, cable news shows don't get any more relevant or tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> Minority Report. That's what I was trying to think. Minority Report, yeah. Uh, so I don't he... know. I actually found those the most amusing sequences to watch because of what... I think most of the creativity and presentation in the movie went into Samuel L. Jackson walking around his sort of hologram set. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was certainly I, I I wonder how much of that was scripted for him. Like some of it obviously was, but I think he went off script in that last part. <laughs> I you know, it, it also gave me a chuckle when he was he was kind of hosting that debate between Batman and the senator and. Mm-hmm. He just cuts the senator off at the end, like, so who could argue with this? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, uh, again, n- nothing changes, folks. Another, how many years is this from now? 17 years? I don't know. I don't know what year this was supposed to have been. It's seven. 2028. 
which I never really picked up on from the movie. I had to look that up in a synopsis. Yeah, I never which picked is, it up either. Which is probably a weakness sort of... of the movie, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it struck me as it's ultra modern, like living in the not too distant future. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, but okay. I I gotta I gotta go over this too. Um. I re- you remember you and I went and watched the wrestler. I do, and, I do recall that. It was, it was a good movie. And one, one of the things that we liked about it was in that movie, there was no villain because it would have been really easy to, to make some crooked promoter in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but thinking of that when I was watching this. And for a while, I was thinking that Batman wasn't exactly acting evil. He was acting like a corporate boss who had his corporate interests in mind. Yeah. And I mean, there, there were some times where he was overly aggressive, tearing, telling Gary Oldman to get it done by any means necessary kind of a thing. It's like, OK, well, you know, most of the time when a business boss says that it's kind of implied that you don't do things like break the law, break corporate policy. It's like you get it done any way you can within reason. Yeah, if somebody says, you know, get it done, like, bring me soft footballs, they're not trying to imply that after the referees have checked the footballs, you go into a bathroom and use a needle to let the air out. That's not what they're trying to say, and you can't imply <laughs> guilt based on that. Right. Until until the transition to the third act, you're getting topical here. Yeah, um, look at me. <laughs> New Englander. Um, <laughs> guilty, guilty. Um. Until the transition to the third act, when all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, we've constructed the, the script has constructed this situation where we feel like we're in too deep. So what do we have to do? It's like, what's bigger than a hero? Dead hero. <laughs> you, you just went from zero to cartoon villain really fast. Yeah, like you, holy cow. You, you, you're almost surprised he didn't just pop out a, a, a long mustache and start twirling it or something, putting on a black hat and cackling. I, I know, and like, and Jackie Earl Haley, who plays uh, Maddox. Uh, now, I like Jackie Earl Haley, and let me tell you, I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad the guy's getting work, because, I mean, he was one of those guys, like, he, he was in, like, Bad News Bears back in the 70s, and then, I mean, just was in nothing to speak of for years, and just bit part, bit part, bit part, till his big break in Watchmen. Where he blew the doors off. Right, him. where he owned Watchmen. And and so now I love to see the guy get major motion picture work, because I think, quite frankly, he deserves it, he's a great actor, and... You know, it's nice to see somebody finally catch the break, especially after so many years, you know, yeah. doing an episode of The Love Boat, an episode of MacGyver, you know what I mean? So, but I don't understand why his character just disliked Murphy so much. It, uh, like he said, he thought putting organics into these systems was a huge step backwards and it was kind of an insult to his business and his pride, I suppose. But even then, right, but, but murder, like he understands there's still a heart <laughs> and lungs and a brain and stuff like that's. That's a pretty quick jump from, I think this is a step back to, I think we should murder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, e- even even in the uh, opening training segments where he's like, I got a 50 cal round, which is magically the border you need to penetrate the armor, mm-hmm. um, trying to shoot him in the head. Yeah. It's like, even even then, though, you'd think, like, that'll probably penetrate and hurt like hell, but maybe not kill him. Because, you know, you'd think there'd be a, at least another, you know... Right. armor shell around the brain or something but yeah you'd yeah, also think that after you spent all this money you don't want to give your tester guy a gun that could destroy the machine you just built like so what, what, what happens if he actually makes the man. shot you're just oh well what are you gonna do 
Uh, and then, yeah, I, I mean, we could probably go on for a while about other dropped plot points, like he was constructed in China as a point for manufacturing or what yeah. they can do to get around the law. Or, or you, you know, know, this one, we have to talk about this one. Um, they make a big point when Gary Oldman, like, starts to feel a little bit more compromised and, like, has to make Murphy, uh, you know, act, like, up to speed and on par with the old models. So they install uh, all the stuff in his brain so that when it's combat time, the machines actually take over. And it's at that point, he's basically just a robot. He's, yeah. He's essentially a drone. He just thinks it's he's the illusion drone. of free will. They made a pretty big point about that in the promos, too. Yeah. Uh, and that never gets that never, never gets, gets resolved. Yeah. So no. he's still basically just a, it, a drone. I think it's, I think it's supposed to be implied that when he you know after they do the uh, dopamine drop and basically turn him completely into a robot mm -hmm. i think it's supposed to be implied that when he gets over that he gets over the machine control in combat situations or something i don't know it doesn't make any damn sense one way or the other the only way that makes sense is by putting it into that inversion of the original robocop where instead of it being a story about him regaining his humanity here it's that story of him as they slowly strip away his humanity right which is significantly less interesting because he still has That's to regain it again except now instead of having three acts to do it he has one yeah he's got a couple of scene transitions you know and i i love that about the first movie where like he's just he's robocop he doesn't know his real name he has no idea he used to be a dude you know, like, he goes to his home and he's got these, like, these shattered memories of his wife and kid that he's trying to piece together. But, you know, they've all moved on and they're not there anymore. And he pieces it together. And then, so it culminates in a great moment, like, at the end, you know, when after he, you know, you're fired, thank you. And he shoots the guy through the window, which is um, the best way to end a movie ever. And I think every <laughs> movie should probably end that way. With a wacky, waving, inflatable arm person falling out yeah, of the... Absolutely. You know what? I, I wouldn't even want them to replace that in a special edition. That needs to stay <laughs> intact. But, I, I mean, I love that. I think that was a great ending to RoboCop, you know, because it's, it's the culmination of everything you've just seen. Like, yep, I approve of everything I've just seen here on the screen. And, and the guy asks, like, so what's your name, son? And he just looks back, like, Murphy. I'm like, He's back. Yep. And nobody tries to stop him because, like, the, all the corporate guys are like, Murphy, what a nice kid, you know? Yeah. Like, everything, everything in the first movie feeds into itself and plays off itself. Mm -hmm. Like, he's got his partner who finds him, realizes it's Murphy, and helps him, yeah. you know? There's the, the, the guns that uh, the, the Boddicker and his gang beat yeah. the crap out of RoboCop with, mm -hmm. and then he managed to get his hands on one and blows up an ED-209. You know, every, all of this stuff winds up coming back to the same thread. Whereas in the 2014 one here, we've got all of these hooks that kind of lead off into different places, and they don't tie back into any main thread. That's why I say it feels like a kid saying, and then this happened, and then that happened, and then that happens. I mean, especially, like I said, the drone system seems to work. RoboCop, when he was completely non-human, almost eliminated crime in a major city, single-handedly. Yeah. The system works! And what's more, they got the act that prevented sale of drones in the United States repealed. Mm -hmm. OCP won! They won! It works! Where's the damn problem? The only problem was what pretty much they constructed themselves when they went around and decided they need to kill him again. Oh, he's going to freak out when they realize OCP hasn't been on the level with him? Well, you know, that's kind of easy to explain. This is, I hate it in movies when everyone's rock stupid. Mm -hmm. 
Where, it's where easy to every, you have to take stuff. these extreme actions instead of communicate like normal human beings would do. Yeah, or like put stun rounds in your patrols in Tehran so that they don't kill children with a knife that pose no threat to a gigantic Metal Gear tank. <laughs> or, I, I don't know, maybe just someday Walt Murphy doesn't have his arms and stuff and you can just talk to him and be like, all right, Murph, check this out. Here's what we did. I know, it was iffy, but, I mean, you're back, right? So... Yeah, we dropped all of your emotions. Yeah. So that you could process this thing. I know. Now we were kind of when that happened, I mean, the results were great and yeah, we're kind of sorry we kind of let you go into operation for a while. We were going to bring you back and then you wound up doing it yourself. So, I mean, bravo for you. Our bad. We'll, you know, make yeah. up for it, There's you know. There's still some kinks in the system we have to work out. Yeah. Instead of like, um, let's just huh. kill them. You know what that makes me think of? What's what's kind of a better, like, losing your humanity story was the episode of Superman the Animated Series where they introduced Metallo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't feel anything. Well, there will be some adjustments that need to be made later. I want those adjustments. They were yours to make. Yeah. Like, Luthor meant you need to adjust to not being able to feel anything. Not like we have to work kinks out of the system. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, can we... I, I know... I, I don't want to talk too much on the cast, but I need to at least touch base on that the two people we're probably not going to talk about very much, and that's Clara and David Murphy. They were there. They were there. Uh, now, Clara is played by Amy Abby, sorry, Abby Cornish. Uh, Abby Cornish is, uh, I remember her, she was in um, Limitless, which was the uh, the movie with um, Bradley Cooper. She was his girlfriend or fiance or ex-fiance. It's been a while since I've seen it. It was where Bradley Cooper took the super drug and then he got super smart and stuff. It was a decent flick. Um, then she was also she was the lead in Sucker Punch, uh, which hmm. is the 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 one that I think if I had to give this movie a single distinction, Sucker Punch is probably the worst movie that I love. Huh? Like out of all the movies I love, this one I can objectively say this one is terrible. It's awful. There's nothing redeem redeemable about it. I can't help myself. I like this movie. Interesting thing to say. Yeah, that's that's the way it is. So anyway, and uh, and they're Red Wings fans, so it's enough of that. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess uh, we got to talk about Commissioner Gordon as uh, Doctor Dennett Norton. Yeah, him and Batman were probably the best parts of the movie all around. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, uh, I liked Gary Oldman. You could you could definitely get a sense he probably played his role one one of the better parts. Obviously, it's him and Batman in this, but he he seemed conflicted in terms of. He wants his research funded. He wants to be able to keep helping amputees and stuff. Yeah, that's that's to me. Yeah. He felt like the most three dimensional character in the in the whole story. Yeah, because he he want you know he's at a point where and, and this is another thing that upsets me about. Like I said, I kind of wanted this movie to not have a villain and for Batman to just be representing corporate interests because he's making true statements when he's when he's saying to Gary Oldman like we can get you good funding it doesn't have to be directly combat related it can save thousands of lives which by the way it did yeah you know and, and that's you you create this area of morally gray where you maybe don't have us the audience going like oh that evil batman you have us going like i don't know like maybe what is he's the right got a answer point. here maybe he's got a point and then maybe you have us thinking a little bit more uh, because when when your core premise is is so shaky as this movie is, you can't afford to take a hard boiled stance the way they did. Yeah, and and unfortunately that's the way they did it, and it was uh it it was it was questionable at best, and it it didn't work, and it fell flat in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
it it was a role that needed someone who could do some heavy lifting like Gary Oldman can. And mm-hmm. he did what he could with the material he had to work with. Right. So, I mean, as a performance, you know, you can't I can't find any fault with Gary Oldman as the doctor. Right. Um, the it he present he he felt human. He felt sympathetic. He felt like a good person who got caught up in something bigger than he realized, mm-hmm. something with a bit more nuance, I suppose, than he would have realized, uh, and trying to at first justify it to himself because it seems clear in the end that some of the stuff he was doing went against his principles. Right. But uh, trying to make right by it in the end, you know, uh, waking up Murphy so that they don't kill him and trying to do right by Murphy's family the whole time. Uh, it and, and yet he was still kind of dumb. Yeah. Man, I did not like that whole, hey, Murphy, you need to talk to your family. Hey, Mur-, like, like when Omnicore just has to realize that they're going to want to talk to him, right? And they're so worried about like, oh, we got to get the hush order and this and that. It was just, it, it really just felt like such a And yet they never got the hush order, which got the wife speaking to the press, which is what precipitated everyone going hardcore evil. Yeah. It I mean, it was I, I don't know. I Okay, so I have nothing I, else I, I can say, Nick. I thought this was gonna be a better movie than it was. <laughs> I, you know, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta ask one question to you here, though. We're talking about sort of the corporate interests yeah. involved here. What did you think of the, uh, the other two around Batman? Sort of his little advisory board. His, um, thing. well, I, I think I kind of liked. Oh, what was his name? He's the, he's the skinny weird dude, and he yeah. always plays the skinny weird dude. Uh, Jay Burrichell is his name. And yeah, the that character sounds right. was, was Tom Pope. Uh, I actually, I kind of liked him in that he's just marketing. He's all mm-hmm. like, oh, he should be a Transformer. He should do this. The kids love it. The Q rating is through the roof. I mean, he's, this guy, I mean, this he was, guy has yeah. swell with the urban demographic as they look at a black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a little heavy-handed there. Yeah, um, well, I mean, he, he he in that role, a two-dimensional character is fine. And a two-dimensional character having sort of heavy-handed, short-sighted dialogue is acceptable, I think. You know, it's like, this is all he's paid to look at, so... Eh. Yeah. I, but, I, I, I I, mean, I, it's not like I, I took personal offense and took to the streets with, with torches to burn down the studio, but it was just... It's kind of like, oh, you know, I I get it. Yeah, you didn't yeah, have it, to try it's to... Still, it's still artless and overt. Ex- exactly. And the other uh, the other woman, um, Jennifer... All right, it's not Hero Talk. about screw up a name, I guess. Ale, <laughs> eel, e. It's E H L E. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> I genuinely don't know. Yeah. Um. So. Hell. She. I mean, she was kind of. She seemed to also go a little over the top evil. Yeah. Well, she was. She was kind of. Um. Uh-huh. The less sympathetic of everybody at at, right. at Me Corp. I cannot for and, the life of me remember what happened. Where did she get her comeuppance in the end, or did she just get away scot free? I think the both of them, nothing explicit happened to either of them. Oh, see, no, that's a shame. It's entire. It's entirely unmemorable either way. Maybe they got stunned. I don't know. Yeah, I want to say the one dude, the skinny, weird-looking dude. He was on the roof with them, and he just kind of like got yes. on the ground. I think. Yeah. Um, I think she was too. Okay, maybe. But at that point, if she's not saying something, you know, kind of hurtful, you kind of forget that she's there. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's poor writing. 
Um, looking at other stuff she's been in, she I can't think of anything else. This seems like a recurring theme with this movie. Is they've like, been in a ton of stuff. I've never seen it. <laughs> uh, Fifty Shades yeah, of Grey, yeah. I think, is the next most famous thing where she played Carla, who everybody knows from Fifty Shades of Grey, of course. Carla. Okay. I don't know who that is. I'm. I, that might have been I'm, a big I'm part. Not, I'm not even going to pretend to know what's going on in that story. I, I know something about it being like a, a Twilight fan fiction that just kind of <laughs> took off. But that's... I think the most I know about it comes from last week tonight with John Oliver. Yeah. I don't watch that show. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, there's yeah. there's some fun stuff in there. Maybe I should give it a shot. Hey, John Oliver, if you give Hero Talk a shout out, I'll start watching your show. <laughs> there we go. I'll, done. All right. Let me. I'm going to wrestle us back on to the movie at hand. Oh, do we have to? Yes, as a matter of fact, we do. Because it's, um, man, I hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's a question. Sure. And and, this will kind of ease us back into this. What do you prefer, RoboCop 2014 or Ultraviolet? Ooh, holy cow. Um, Ultraviolet. Huh. I got two words for you. William Fickner. Yep, yep. He had, uh, his presentation's a bit more fun than what Gary Oldman could do with, uh, like, everything in RoboCop is just bland. It, it really was. As I, much, I had such as much as both of us, as much as both of us hated Ultraviolet, mm-hmm. one thing you can say is that it, it was actually trying to do something. It was it trying was to do something. It was, trying, it was trying to be visually different. Yes. A stupid, yeah, absolutely stupid, but different. It, it had some flavor to it, and yeah. this one was just bl- – and it's not like it's horrible. I can – I would say that, honestly, I'd rather not watch either of them. But if you're going to just say, like, make a flat judgment on the quality of the movie, I would say that this is a better quality movie than Ultraviolet. Yeah, but just not as but, fun. Yeah, because Ultra, Ultraviolet failed, like, audaciously. It, uh, it, it, it had um, some – drive to it there there was something behind it and and with with robocop here it's watching it i understand why a whole bunch of people said it would have been an okay movie if it wasn't trying to be robocop if it was trying to be something else it wasn't trying to to follow a bunch of the same beats that robocop was and taking up the name and thus bringing up inevitable comparisons with the original there was stuff that you could have done with this but they just shied away from anything stimulating yeah I, I mean, there's there's no real better way to put it now in in in, in a way to almost cement your point we're going to talk about the third act the there was th- yeah mm. yeah the third act so the third act is when when robocop figures out that they're trying to shut him down and so he decides well what i obviously <laughs> need to do now before i do anything else and before i tell anybody before i call in for backup before i talk to my partner who by now everyone's forgotten is in this movie <laughs> i am going to drive guy. personally to the Omnicore headquarters, headquarters, and then I am going to personally arrest uh, Batman. I should really look up the guy's name. Um, Raymond Sellers. Sorry. I realize we've gone this whole podcast. We've never said the character's name so far. We've <laughs> well, always I, referred I, to him I, as I Batman. wouldn't have even remembered it. Um, I, I had to it, look it up, man. I, I, no, I, yeah, so they, they had to get Raymond Sellers, and so his intention is to arrest him for attempted murder. Fair, okay. Um, but goes alone. And at the same time, like, you know, Sellers is on his way out because he thinks that there's a crazed robotic lunatic cop who, when he goes, for all intents and purposes, is, you know, going to be using his robot parts. Now, he gets a little uh, lie lying-y, lie deceitful. Deceitful is the word. He gets a little <laughs> deceitful when he goes and tells the wife, like, all right, so the organic part of your husband's dead and, you know, what, what, what's coming after you right now is just the robot part. I'm like, well, that, 
shouldn't actually work because everything was going through the brain, wasn't it? That's the story they were telling everybody. Yeah. And I suppose, I, I mean, if you wanted to, you could point out that, like, it's a prototype. There was a bit of a fail-safe snafu where we were relying on the brain to be there. And when the brain wasn't there, say it got stuck in combat mode. And, and the, the uh, you, you could come up with some bullshit to explain this not working right. Yeah. Uh, but on top they of did that. They not know, though. They had a remote control shutdown. No, uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon took it out. Why? Why was there no backup? Anything? No, be, I don't know, because there's no good reason. They sent two guys to shut him down, and when that didn't happen, they just relied entirely on the ED-209 because we need to see RoboCop fight some ED-209s, and he didn't do all that great against them, considering he's no, he did to not be, supposed to be like pretty good. Um, now not enough to make me care, just enough for me to be like, oh, all right, whatever. I know he's gonna get past these things. Just show me. Yeah. Well, he was fighting like three of them in some. It, well, I guess it was supposed to be exciting fight sequence, but it, was it really got flat. really clear that he didn't have anything that would effectively penetrate their armor because he jumped on the back of one and point blank drilling into one of them and made no progress. And then like the floor gave out because of something else and he got trapped under one of them and had to shoot off his own arm and then things proceeded. Yeah. But it kind of makes you appreciate how awesome that scene is when RoboCop goes to fight the, uh, you know, the the big thing. I think it was in RoboCop Two, and so he just brings along the giant Cobra rifle with them, <laughs> and you're like, okay, now it's about to go down. Uh, just makes you appreciate how much better that was than yeah. than this, because this is like, oh, he, he brought a little pea shooter. What am I supposed to see him climb on these things? Like, no, because RoboCop in the 1980s was smart enough to bring the right gun for the job. Yeah, and what's more. Um, oh, I had a point. Never mind. Yeah, much like this movie. Yeah, yeah, it had a point, and then it slipped its mind. Yeah. Um, you know what? We need to go back to this one scene, uh, it, just real briefly, because I need to point out how dumb it was. Uh, remember when it was, uh, when RoboCop had, like, finally kind of figured out his murder, and he was going to go, uh, arrest Valen, but Valen knew he was coming because the chief had called him, and so what he did is he had everyone in night vision, and they, they turned off all the lights, and RoboCop comes in, and all of his systems say, like, zero threats because the lights were off. Yeah. What's the point of the RoboCop with digital sensors and all the computers if he can't see in the dark unless he insists on turning it on? Like, he rolls into darkness, and his computer, his super-fast, faster-than-normal, upgraded computer says, like, now nah, we're good because it's dark. The other problem with that scene is it's so early on, and, the like... If you're going to compare this again to the original one, this this should be where, like, he gets the crap kicked out of him and he has to get his he has to, like, pull himself out, figure out how to repair himself and come back more clever this time. But the the way it was shot and everything, when I was watching it, I just knew there wasn't going to be a problem here because he you get those quick flashes. There's no real registration of damage happening to his body mm -hmm. so it just conveys the sense of no he's going to get through this this is just a transitional scene so there's no tension yeah no i i I'm, I'm totally with you there like in the 1980s this is the scene where robocop really has to kind of get it together and like this is where he would have gone off into the into his corner little world there and like pulled out his emergency toolkit and pre repaired himself and was like all right now it's on you know, I'm going to go get the Cobra rifle. I'll be right back. Or Yeah, I mean, in, yeah. The, in the original movie, there was this shot that always sticks with me where he's getting shot with those those rifles and it's penetrating his armor and one of them hits him in the face, 
part of his faceplate blows away and you can see his eye under it. Mm-hmm. And his eye is looking around trying to find like there's this really quick shot where his eye looks to the side and you can see it through yeah. the hole. And that one resonated with me and it sticks with me and I can still remember how it looks like. And it's been, I don't know, 10 years since I've seen the movie, probably more because it's one of those little visual bits of communication where you can see it's like, okay, his humanity is starting to show through here. You know? Yeah. There was there was a certain and, symbolism in that movie where yeah. the more his humanity came out, the, the 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 more you could actually see of his face. Yeah. Until he was finally back in control and he'd actually taken the mask completely off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there was I mean there was even in in Robocop two there was that scene that I actually liked where he, he got so sick of just, you know, being the super nice cop and not being able to actually fight crime. <laughs> he like he grabs the power lines to just force his system to restart <laughs> itself. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Man, how much better are those movies than this movie? Significantly. And most people don't like RoboCop 2 very much. No, no. I mean, RoboCop 3, I think... I think RoboCop 2014 and RoboCop 3 could probably fight it out in terms of which was the worst movie. Yeah. There might be part of me that said, like, I'd rather watch this again than RoboCop 3, because, man, RoboCop 3 was bad. And if you think this was bad, did you ever see any of those, like, direct-to-video RoboCop sequels? I didn't see any direct-to-video RoboCop sequels, but I did watch the cart. There were points where I watched the cartoon show and the live-action TV show. Yeah. Yeah, there were some. I I saw... They used to be on Netflix. I don't know if they are anymore. Uh, But uh, I I started watching a few of those, and I said, let me just... Let me stick to the originals. Yeah. All right. Um, So there we have it. All right, RoboCop does some stuff, and then the president vetoes the Dreyfus bill, but that's okay because Bill O'Reilly's still happy that... That Murphy's out there somewhere, and everyone's yeah, happy. Yeah, and oh my god, yeah. That the thing that doesn't come across in what we'd explain there was that whole third act. It was basically yeah, they try to kill Murphy, and he comes back and arrests Batman with a fight with Ed Two O Nine. Well, he kills and, Batman, right? I mean, he goes to arrest him, but then he ends up killing him because yeah, uh, because he's a red asset, but his humanity overrides it and lets him shoot him. Right. Which really would have been more interesting if he, like, did a ricochet of a stun round or something. Yeah. You know what? That would have been more interesting. It was like, smarted the computer. Yeah. You can't shoot me because I'm a red asset. Okay. Well, then I'm just going to bounce this shot off the ground and, you know, get you in the ankle or something and, you know, let the ricochet take care of you. Or, because I'm, yeah. And it would have been shown because I'm the human in charge and not the robot. And so I can, you know, I can outthink you. As opposed to him, like, struggling, like it's a, 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 like, a muscle thing. He has to lift a weight to do it. Yeah. Oh my God. This concept was handled better in Demolition Man. It was. As a matter of fact, it was handled better in Demolition Man. Like, because there, it wasn't. It wasn't a, a, an issue of trying to struggle against it to to bring the gun to bear. It was a matter of he just couldn't bring himself to pull the trigger. Yeah. For reasons that he couldn't control. Right. But this one, I mean, it was like like the gun weighed too much if he trained it on him, which was silly. And yeah, it didn't. It didn't work. And no, I didn't like it. And plus, you should have just stunned him and arrested him rather than shooting him. Yeah, uh, really. A lot of a lot of this movie, and actually, I'll go back to the the kid with this. A lot of this movie, it's kind of a big example of you need to show, not tell. Because with the with the kid, there was a lot of oh, he's going through a lot of emotional trouble, and that's kind of what triggers the return to humanity for Murphy. But you don't see that happen very much. No, they just tell show. him it happens. Yeah. Yeah, un- unfortunately. Uh, and and that happens kind of all over the place. You, you're not shown the crime. You're not shown 
the problems really with with drones. I mean, you kind of see that in the Tehran scene at the beginning. There's problems with drones, but at the same time, really, the what is shown is evidence that it seems to work, which is confusing. Right. It it was a little yeah. It was it was a little off, and it was not good. And I thought it'd be better. All right. So so Nick, we are we're now at that time of the podcast. And I think, I don't know, Nick, what do you think? Do you think RoboCop 2014 deserves a favorite and least favorite? I'm not sure it deserves either, because I can't really remember too much about it. All right. Well, we're still going to uh, do both, because okay. it's my podcast, and I'd already decided. Okay. And I was really asking you more out of ceremony than anything else. Fair it's, enough. It's really a nominal question, more rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're giving me the illusion of free will. Yes, exactly. Oh, oh man. <laughs> 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 All right. So, Nick, what, what, was, what was your favorite part of RoboCop 2014? Oh, my God. I don't know why, but I did not prepare myself for any of the end of show stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, all of it just sort of blends together. You know what? Okay, I, I, I can give you a favorite part. If generally speaking, I would have to give all of the Samuel L. Jackson Novak element stuff my favorite okay. part. That, that, no, and that's, specifically, that's fair, yeah. specifically, I would have to go when Batman and the senator were talking, and he just like cuts him, cuts the senator off at an opportune time to try to, you know, yeah, seal seal the opinion. No, deal. I, yeah, you know what? I can see that definitely. All right, and now it's time for my favorite. So right after the beginning uh the movie, the opening part, when they showed the Robocop logo, they played the original theme song. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part. Ouch. Yeah, that's that's that was the most you got out of me. Alright, so Nick, least favorite part of Robocop two thousand fourteen. The transition from act two to act three. What's bigger <laughs> than a hero? A dead hero. Dead hero. <laughs> Oh, yeah, God. I was even expecting them to say something a little more poetic. I was expecting them to say a martyr, but no, didn't even say that. Dead hero. Yeah, because it, it, that's what just like changed everything like instantly. And, you know, OK, I, I have to go off a little bit uh, here. I don't know if this is me expecting too much from movies or not accepting certain presentations of things or if this movie is just a really bad example. It bothers me when movies present ideas and don't seem to do much with them um i'm struggling to come up with a good example here but like there, just there's look a lot at of any movies. of our past hero talks nick i think we've we've trudged through a few of these <laughs> yeah well i mean a lot of the ones we've talked about they're just they, they have just fun stuff in them but this one like i've been saying has so many hooks but doesn't really do a lot with them but then you can turn around and say, okay, well, there was that bit where, the, um, oh, he has the illusion of control, but they don't really do much with it. But is it implied that he was supposed to have overcome that when he regained his humanity? Well, that wasn't explicitly said. Okay, am I trying, am I wanting them to be overly simplistic in their presentation? Or is this like the kind of case where they're leaving something open to interpretation? I don't think this particular movie is a good example of it, because like I said, there's a lot of it doesn't show it just kind of tells stuff and it says it in the most you know flat way imaginable but that that that's actually what this movie got me thinking about is am i actually wanting things to be too overt in their presentation of meaning and i i i am of the opinion that i just want enough room to play with so like they they do show me something rather than leave it up to me to fill in the gaps to make sense of it you know, that that shouldn't quite be my job as the audience. Uh, and I don't know. It, 
No, I kind of went I off there, you. didn't I? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So you want to hear my least favorite part? Uh, I suppose. I the mean, end credits. They played. I fought the law, and the law won. Oh, I, I, I think I tried to ignore that. Yeah, I mean, I'm it watching the fit. movie, and I'm just like watching, it like really. Couldn't even go with the classic theme. We had to just do some like some silly old song. Oh, so wasn't that a cover too? I guess it was. Couldn't even get the original. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, so now we have to score it. You knew this was coming. <sighs> All right. Let's let's just we we got a little more to do here, and then we could just be done. And we can put this one to bed. Let's just we got. Let us never speak of this again. <laughs> just move on with our lives. All right. What well, what would you give RoboCop 2014? I would give it RoboCop three. <laughs> That's, that's good. Now, I think I think if RoboCop 2014 was exploded in a car bomb and I had to save part of it to make a cyborg, I think I'd probably pick up like a left eyebrow or something. <laughs> I think I think that's about what I would keep. That's it. And I think uh, that's being very generous of me, quite frankly. All right. Oh, mercifully, this Nick. I honestly thought this was going to be a good movie. I, <laughs> I I saw it pop up in my Netflix queue. And I was like, no, this is the little a little inside baseball for you Hero Talk fans. We we were going to do Book of Eli, and I was I saw this pop up in my queue, and I'm like, oh man, the Book I wanna... of Eli has Gary Oldman. Yeah, Robocop <laughs> 2014 is Gary Oldman. It's like the same movie, right? I was, just, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I really wanted to watch Robocop. I'm like, well, I should do a Hero Talk on Robocop, and I'm like, it's kind of post apocalyptic, you know? It's action movies. It's it's right like for for Nick and me, it's right in the wheelhouse. I called an audible, and I said, all right, we're gonna do Robocop instead. Holy cow, was that a bad move? That was the wrong call. That was that was a, a touchdown interception that was wrong. Wow. Wow. This movie was just avoid it. Just don't yeah. don't even don't even try it. If you haven't seen it and you're listening to us, you're like, oh now I have to see how bad this movie is. No. It's no, not you don't. it's not that bad. I mean, that's the problem. Is yeah. It's not it's not the kind of bad enough where you can get worked up about it, like ultraviolet. Like, like I said, ultraviolet is is it's colorful at least it has some yeah. it's boring uh, bad effort yeah this one's just dull yeah if if i inspire you to do anything go go watch the the original peter well yeah go watch the first Robocop. two yeah a lot of people don't like the second one i didn't mind it so much i kind of like the shots when they were trying to recreate robocop and oh, they were yeah. all going insane. drop your weapon boom drop shooting all the pieces have the a OCP nice day guys. shoots itself in the head yeah the one guy who just ripped his own head off and just oh, that was funny. <laughs> oh. they're just murdering scientists left and yeah. right oh all right well nick thank you coming on yep. and doing this one that's another bullet taken <laughs> you got you got to take one for the team sometimes that's how hero talk works all right so <laughs> hey if you have a movie you want us to review or you want to join the podcast you can hey since this was a really bad movie am i now due for a really good one is that the hero talk balance? i think that's the hero talk balance yeah i think you're now due for a good one okay yeah all right uh what was i saying yeah email hero talk at enthusiasts.com so if you want to listen to more podcasts, watch videos, watch the Let's Plays, read articles, including Behind the Line with our very own Nick here. Thank you. You can go to Enthusiacs.com. You can check us out on YouTube. The channel is Enthusiacs. Uh, Twitter, we are at Enthusiacs. And we're on Facebook at Enthusiacs and still not on Instagram. And I will keep holding the line for you people out there. Not on Instagram. And that's all I have. So on behalf of my panel, I just want to thank you all for joining us and invite you all to come back right here for the next Hero Talk. Hero Talk.